Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. This is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides along the journey to RPG adventures. Role-playing inspiration can come from anywhere, and we use our side quest to explore TV shows, movies, books, and other RPGs that influence our playstyle and storytelling. Whether we draw from intriguing plot points, amazing characters, or, well, you know, just kind of geek out about it, it should be a fun trip, and we're glad you came along for the ride. Here's a message from friends of the show. Do you love Marvel but are tired of hearing Cheeto-stained white guys talk about it? Are you hoping to see the X-Men and Avengers face off? Do you secretly want to be Jessica Jones or Daisy Johnson? Or do you want to be with Valkyrie? If so, you've found your new favorite podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris and Madam Amy, and we are here to give you the commentary you want. Marvel. Minus the mansplaining. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and visit us at themarvelousmadams.com. Madams, assemble. Welcome, everybody, to today's side quest. So tonight we're going to be talking about the first season slash season that we're currently in of What If. As of the time of recording this episode, we are six episodes in to a nine-episode season. Who knows if there's going to be more? Who knows how they're going to go with this and everything like that? It's definitely a big part of kind of the MCU phase four content that's coming out um and we're, we're going to dive into the uh the first six episodes that have uh, have been shown here so uh mr miller good evening how are you today i am doing very well had a wonderful uh weekend very family oriented got to take in a ball game uh with new york yankees Ooh. they did not do so well this weekend excellent i know you're happy about that but i still represent my boys one of my uh children had a birthday today uh, so we got to do some family time things there. Went to a nice little festival. Saw a great little uh, geek haven type shop, which we will talk about in future mm -hmm. episodes. I guarantee. I like it. Like it. Was speaking with staff there, and, uh, and we'll be piecing together some things. So hopefully, we can bring you more from them. And then uh, basically just prepped and got ready to record tonight. Very excited about this. Whenever we're talking about the MCU, as we all know, comics are my thing. I really dig into these episodes. I just love comic book stuff. I love the fact that our genre is around enough so we can talk about it and not run out of things to talk about. Uh, that's a great thing. So very excited. Very happy to get going. Excellent. And obviously, so we're going to be starting tonight with picking your brain on the What If comic book series. First things first, two things that I want to go ahead and throw at the beginning of this episode. One, tonight's episode is going to be positively 
spoilerific up to the brim for these first six episodes. We're going to be talking a lot about the things that happened in each of these six episodes uh, in a variety of different capacities and everything like that. So if you are not up through the Killmonger episode of What If, go get caught up. They're only a half an hour each. Get caught up, hit pause, come back. You can listen to our episode afterwards. And then the other thing that I wanted to go ahead and point out is that uh, we're going to be doing one episode about these six these six uh, uh, episodes uh, of What If. And so we're going to be talking about each episode probably like in like five to eight minutes, not very much detail. We're going to be talking about them very generally and talking a lot about themes and everything like that. However, if you are interested in probably the smartest and most well-formed MCU commentary on the internet right now, you have got to go check out the Marvelous Madams podcast because they are going into each of these episodes in amazing detail. Madam Chris and Madam Amy are uh, amazing at what they do. We cannot hold a candle to how to what they are what they are bringing to the MCU uh, discussion right now. So please, they are great friends of the show. Go check them out if you're interested in more really dynamic uh, discussion on these shows. In addition to the great discussions that they hold and really digging into um, how the stories are constructed, how the characters move throughout the stories how they weave and work throughout the MCU as a whole, how they connect. Uh, They not only do the current shows, they have a library at this point of past MCU movies and content that they're going through. They are fans of the genre, but they also are amazing interviewers. They have had some fantastic guests from the MCU on their program. I actually, the first interview I listened to from them, I even, I I contacted them right away and I said, I need to just take notes on how you did this because I'm amazed. I will improve what I do just by listening to what you do. We've said it before. They are our soul sisters in in all things genre. And I, I promise you, you're going to enjoy their show. I laugh wholeheartedly. I get in the feels when the madams are talking. They know what they're doing on this stuff. Yep, and absolutely. You got to go. You got to go give them a listen. Yeah. If you're not listening to their content, you really, you need to fix that. <laughs> and get a, <laughs> go, uh, go give uh, the, uh, go give the marvelous <laughs> madams absolute love because um, they're super people and they're just a fantastic show. So we could go on all night about how great the marvelous madams are, frankly, but we're not going to do that uh, this time. Tonight, we're going to go ahead and talk. What if Lewanika talk to me about, the comic book series and kind of what are the comic book origins of the what if series what is it that we're watching here and what why is it here so what we're watching i think we don't have the full answer yet and i'll get to what i mean by that by the end of this little bit here but let me start by saying in 1977 marvel comics produced the comic or published the comic what if it was a great comic i was about five years old at the time And I remember getting my very first issue. It was what if Spider-Man had joined the Fantastic Four. Now, I was very young, but I was very into comics at the time. And I remember reading the back issue because it was well before I was born when Peter Parker as Spider-Man tried to join the Fantastic Four. And I remember thinking how cool it was. I loved Spider-Man and the Human Torch. I thought Peter and Johnny were awesome together. And I always saw how cool it would be. And so it was really awesome 
when I walked into the local cigar shop, that's where I got my comics, and on the shelf was this beautiful cover of Spider-Man wearing a five where the spider in the center of his costume would be, and they were no longer the Fantastic Four, they were the Fantastic Five, and you have this great artwork, very reminiscent of, of the original comics. It was, however, a George Perez and Joe Sinnott who uh, worked on that this particular book. George Perez, one of my absolute favorite comic creators. He was the, the artist on and co-creator on many individual characters on the Teen Titans, the new Teen Titans from the 80s. So my very favorite comic book group was done by Perez. This was back in his Marvel days, his first time with Marvel. So I remember that grabbed me. The picture grabbed me. The idea grabbed me, and I loved it. I read that book, and I was like, this is so cool. And every issue after that was very much that same way. Take the, the biggest story where a character could have taken a left instead of a right, and that was a what-if comic. Uh, what if uh, Phoenix had lived? There's a couple Punisher ones that uh, over the years. There's just so many. Uh, what if Captain America had not gone into the ice? These are the types of things that, that, that what if did. What they were really good at was taking one single difference. Everything else stayed the same unless it interacted with the now-changed history. Um, there were not multiple areas of divergence is what I like mm -hmm. to say. That is where my struggle with the What If series has been. Some, ish, some episodes have had more than one area. Some have had mm -hmm. lots of... So even if the episode was generally pretty good, it didn't feel as What If for me. It felt like a good story. It felt like something I enjoyed, but it didn't feel like a What If story for me because there are multiple points of divergence. The ones that seem to have very close to one single point of divergence, those are the ones that I think were much more powerful. Yep. And I think, and the reason for that is those are the ones that really hit home because the core of a what if story is in your life, you have made choices. This is filling that fantasy. What if I chose differently? What if I had asked that person to the, to the prom? What if I did go for that job? What if I did go out for the lead in that play? What yeah. if I did study that one more night? What if I didn't take that last drink? What if I didn't stay at that party a little longer? Mm -hmm. These are the questions that every human being on earth, I don't care where you are, I don't care what you do, we all at some point second guess something we did. And we all generally, get by it saying, ah, well, I'm where I am today because of that. You know, I think of my, my worst football injury. I had already had a first down. I already had three, four guys on me. I liked the fact, I was enjoying the fact that I was still strong enough to keep running. So I ran for an extra five, six, seven, got eight more yards. Before a fifth guy got on me, my knee buckled in ways that a human being's knee was never meant to buckle. And I was out of the game yep. for eight years, and I still live with that pain in my knee. I have a big what-if story. What if I had played yeah. the rest of that season? What if I could have played the rest of that season? We all have these what-if stories. That's the power of the concept of what-if. And I think the fantasy of that 
which was beautifully captured in the comic books, they are attempting to capture in this animated series. And I think to a large extent they are, but when you do that deeper look, that second glance, it's that second viewing that seems to get me. First viewing, I'm Mm. in love with the artwork. I am amazed by the voice talent. Mm. I'm amazed by the shots, the colors, and all of that. And quite honestly, I just love having more MCU content. It's when I do that second viewing that I'm like, my creative mind, my I am trying to be somewhat of a semi-professional and pay attention so I can get out here on the interwebs and talk intelligently about things. And I think, wow, was it really that great? Interesting. Was it really as good as I thought it was initially? There are a couple episodes that were absolutely not only that good, but better. But there are one or two that they don't quite live up to what I wanted yeah. them to be and what I thought they were on first view. Hmm, interesting. So I tend to be pretty uh, snap with my judgments, right? I very rarely, we, we've talked about this before, about how I very rarely rewatch something, right? Pretty minimal examples of things for me that have uh, rewatchability, right? It has to be something very, very special for me to want to sit down and watch something more than once. And I'm not saying that like I'm some great, like, uh, like, I don't have like some like eidetic memory or anything like that. My memory is horrible, but it's more just that it just takes a very special kind of media to get my attention in that way that I sit back and I say, you know what? I want to sit down and I want to watch, I want to watch Oliver Stone's movie JFK again. You know, like that's like, that is a movie that anytime it comes on TV, if I'm flipping through the channels, I will stop and I will watch from whatever point it is in and I'm in for the next three to four hours, right? If that movie's if that movie's playing, because it's just it's a great movie, right? And so it's very rare that I will sit down and watch these more than once. Now that said, so I kind of still have my initial impression of all six of these episodes. I wonder how uh, I wonder how our opinions are uh, are gonna are gonna match here. This is interesting. So have you watched all six of them more yeah. than once? And and uh, it, with your discussion about what you watch and how little you watch twice. One of the interesting things about me is I, I think of myself as not watching things twice. If something leaves me with a question, and it's a very pseudo-subconscious thing for me, if any part of me is unsure of whether I like something or not, I feel compelled to watch it again or figure it out what it was yeah. that gave me a pause. I don't, that is the one example. I don't yeah. watch yeah. anything, everything twice. Like the ones that I really, really like, I don't watch twice unless it's later on or I'm watching it because I want to show it to a friend. It is the ones that I question like, man, I, I like that, but I can't say it's great because I, I tend to watch something and, and then I want to tell somebody I watched it and I want to say, oh, man, that was awesome. But then when I, when I go <laughs> to say that and the word awesome doesn't feel right, that's when I go back and watch it again. In my head, I want to know why I don't feel it's awesome when I initially thought it was awesome. Like I, it, that That's my internal process. And so some things I rewatch. Like if I watch a scene and it confounds me, I will rewatch that scene or I'll rewatch what led up to that scene two or three times. We're going to talk about one episode where I watched eight times because I was convinced I missed something. Interesting. And okay. I probably yeah. could watch well- it a ninth time because I want so desperately for something to be there that I am confident at this point was not there. 
All right. Well, let's go ahead and dive in then. And so we can start talking about uh, about the episodes here. So we're we're going to start in order uh, in the way that they uh, that they came out here, which means that the first episode that we're going to talk about is what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? Um, and uh, wow, did this series start off with a totally kick ass episode. I mean, I I sat down and watched this. I was enraptured by this entire episode. I was I was all in from the way that they portrayed Steve Rogers, from the way that they portrayed Peggy Carter, from the way that they portrayed Howard Stark, from the way that they portrayed from the the creature that Red Skull was pulling through the dimensional door that then killed him. I mean, just the whole the I was at the edge of my seat. I was like Episode nine of any of any of the seasons of Game of Thrones at the edge of my seat, enraptured by what I was seeing the uh, on the screen in this episode. I thought it was absolutely amazing, and and yeah, just amazing. Like I'm not even sure how to go ahead and gloss it any better anymore because I feel like at that point it'd just be kind of like superfluous talking about how great the episode was. But it was an amazing episode. I found this to be such a strong powerful and wonderful start to the series yeah a couple things peggy carter amazing character Haley atwell amazing actor yeah love her in this role uh love her in her series criminally underwatched criminally underserved i would love for them to give us more seasons uh i would love to see her in this role in this character more than than we are likely to ever get like they they literally cannot give me enough Peggy Carter on film. They are certainly not going to be able to give me enough of this Peggy Carter on film. But I want to say the thing that I loved about it the most was, and this is going to sound strange, and I do not mean this to demean the female characters and the level of female empowerment that went on. But what I thought was very amazing, as Captain America is my favorite Marvel character, period. They proved in this episode that you can lift a woman up without diminishing a man because Steve's heart and his character was no less strong in this where he didn't have the serum than he was before. He was still the great guy who jumped on a grenade. He was still the guy who did all the things that he wanted that, that a guy should do. He did everything he could do. And I felt that, it was amazing to see that a woman can be lifted up and it doesn't necessarily mean a man has to be pushed down to coin a phrase from uh, the marvelous madams. It's night. Nice. I thought it was a, 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 it was a great way to disprove the Cheeto stained uh, <laughs> guys that are out there mm-hmm. in the world that think that it's gotta be one or the other. And I don't think it does. And their relationship as it showed on film was proof of that. I appreciate you going all the way in like that because I was not sure yeah, where you're going. The way with that. that they were still <laughs> together, it was still about the two of them. You just got it from a, a different perspective, but it was still all the things that they loved about each other in the original versions and the standard MCU were still present, even though their physical situations had changed. And I think that that was a huge strength of the episode. Is one of the things that I was, I, it just endeared me to the episode even beyond it. And the action sequences were awesome, but I, it was really that core, it was that core relationship 
that really held me in in this episode. So this is going to be a name that we toss out uh, kind of throughout this episode tonight. The episode was written by AC Bradley. Um, And for those of you out there who don't know AC or Ashley Bradley, some quick facts, right? So uh, uh, they went to Boston College, which, you know, we're both from Boston. Mm -hmm. Go BC Eagles. She is a consulting producer on the on Miss Marvel, which is going to be uh, which is awesome. Can't wait to go ahead and see that. And she is uh, her her first feature film uh, is based on the Shakespeare play Much Ado About Nothing, which is one of my all time favorite Shakespeare plays. So you know, gotta love that too. I think that when when we start talking about the episodes, one thing that we're going to focus on, which we don't always focus on, but the Again, we keep going back to the Marvelous Matters, but they talk about this kind of stuff all the time, um, is that who they're written by, uh, I think, mattered a lot in terms of how... What resonated with us. I'll, I'll be conceited about whether or not I liked it or not. Yeah, exactly. You can say what, what resonated, but what, I'll, be, I'll be even more blunt about whether or not I liked it or not. Yeah. We'll find out episode by episode. I think a lot of the things that I had challenges with, they, quote unquote, lost points or lost some favor... Uh, I liked less. It wasn't anything that I did not like except for one. And mm-hmm. uh, I will honestly say it was a matter of resonance. Like, did this mm-hmm. episode resonate with me? Sometimes things resonate with me because experiences are similar to experiences I've lived through or want to live through or mm-hmm. have ha- sure. have fought through and escaped. Sometimes they resonate with me because the emotional core is there and it's strong or whatever. Sometimes they resonate with me because it shows something that I want to see in the world or that I'm glad I no longer see in the world. There's lots of yep. reasons I would use the term resonate. And I think this yep. series will show almost all of them. And then there's one where there at the end of it there was no uh resonation. Resonance. There was no, there was resonance. no resonance. Thank you. A- at all. Like it, there, there just wasn't. It was just there. And because that also had a lot less of the other things I like about most of the episodes in general, that episode really fell flat for me. So there's really only one episode that I didn't care for, and we're going to get to that very soon. In fact, I believe... So, yeah, if we're done talking about how great the Captain Carter episode was, episode two, the return of Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa in what if T'Challa became Star-Lord. You want me to take it? Yeah. We talked pre-show about this because this is a tough subject in general. We will always endeavor to be perfectly honest with you. And the reality is this episode did not resonate with me, did not resonate with Josh, correct me if I'm wrong. No, it didn't. And I would go so far as to say this is the one episode I did not care for. I love everything that Chadwick Boseman has done for the MCU. I am in admiration of the man he was. I'm in awe of what he fought through to give us the last few projects and various things that he did prior to his passing to include this year. Mm -hmm. I will also go so far as to say his work on this episode was not a thing I had a problem with, nor was the voice work of any of the actors who lent their voices, whether they were returning MCU actors or the other actors who've just been a part of this project and knocking it out of the park when they were trying to make themselves sound like other people. I'm looking at you, Mr. Marquand, who is an amazing impressionist. He's got a YouTube thing where he does all kinds of impressions, and every one of them is (laughs) spot on. There's a couple I think he does better than the actual person 
he's in, he's doing impersonation of. He's just brilliant at impersonations. But he's reprising the role of uh he he actually reprised the role of the red, the red skull in the previous episode. The voice acting in this series, top to bottom, start to finish, everything we've seen, they have no doubt that it'll continue is amazing. My issue with this particular episode was story construction. There yep. were a number of situations. Well, actually, let me start. It, the core of it, when I spoke about the core of the what if, was a single point of divergence from the original history. This mm-hmm. episode details multiple points of divergence. I It wasn't one thing that changed. It was a whole lot of things that changed. And worse than that, the one thing that the that the what if comic almost consistently did every issue I ever read was they showed the point of divergence. If there was a second point of divergence for whatever reason, maybe it's because your main guy actually was present. So you see the new thing happen. Every point of divergence was shown. Hmm. They were effectively on camera. This was an episode where almost everything that took place, every point of divergence, was off camera. We only saw him get picked up, and everything else took place off camera. Exactly, and then all of a sudden he's in the he's in the Ravager. Yeah, yeah. Every single turn or event or thing we learned was an unearned event, an unearned consequence, an unearned reward. It left me feeling flat. Like, I, like at a certain point, it's like I don't care. I didn't get to see him go through anything. We didn't see him turn Thanos. We didn't see him turn the Ravagers. This budding romance he has with Nebula, where did that come from? We didn't see that get started. <laughs> there was, and it's not like Nebula had a romance with Peter Quill. So then you could say, okay, so if he became Star Lord, then that romance goes to him. What we didn't see was a uh, was a romance between T'Challa and Gamora. Now that I would have at least said that would have made sense. And I'm not saying that anything done by the Nebula character, certainly not the actress. It didn't make sense in the what if sense of things. Too many things happened off camera. Too many things were unearned rewards and consequences. And then at the very end, feels like they cut for time because we lost five minutes of that show. And I don't understand what happened. When I talk about rewatching something nine times, it was the ending of this episode because I could not figure out what the hell happened from the time they got past hope. And we're coming up on Wakanda and then the final scene with Thanos there. I have heard three or four different theories on what that ending meant. And the truth is, there's no evidence to support any of them. Who knows? There was a lack of perspective on the shot. Yep. There was a lack of narrative. I don't, I rarely say at least narrate it. Like they could have just said it, but they didn't even do that. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, thank you for that. There's a lot in there for you know. So uh, Nebula, of course, played by the uh, by by Doctor Who alumnus, uh, the former uh, actress who played uh, Amy Pond, exactly Karen Gillan. Um, uh, okay, so my issue with this episode is that it's bad. Regardless of everything that we want to add onto this episode, it's bad. You're dealing with the episode is about T'Challa becoming Star Lord, and it is neither a good T'Challa story nor is it a good Star Lord story. Okay, it's bad on both fronts. It is it is it is constructed, and we could break down the the construction of the episode and why it's. I mean, like 
he never would have forgiven Yondu in a million years for lying to him for so long about the fact that his home had not actually been destroyed and that they had been looking for him. He never would have forgiven them. T'Challa would, not have let, would never have let him walk away from that. He just wouldn't. This is where we disagree. I actually think he may have eventually forgiven him. But not in the but moment. it certainly not wouldn't have been that fast, and it wouldn't have been no. that way. And that's where I say it's an unearned victory. Yeah, it, it, totally. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, and, and we all miss Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa. Your speech about what Black Panther meant to you from way back when we started this podcast is still like burned into my brain. It's like I still listen to it from time to time when I feeling when I need something to go ahead and like pick me up. Like when I really feel like I need to go ahead and get inspired by something, I'm like, okay, I've got eight minutes of audio that I can listen to about somebody that is so inspired by something that it has shaped his entire life. I am sorry that this was the first time that we got to see Chadwick Boseman after he passed away. He deserved a better story than this. And there's a lot of things that I can say about why this is bad and everything like that. But that's got to be tops. It, it has to be. Yeah. I, there's, there's, and me yeah. too. It just, he deserved better. I found myself about halfway through this episode saying, my God, I hope they, this is better because I want so much more for Mr. Bozeman. We all wanted better. After how good the Captain Carter episode was, we all wanted, whoa, this episode's going to be amazing. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe we were all just like, if that's how good the first episode of this, how good is this episode going to be? And it was not. It there. was just bad. Now, all that to say, don't be down, everyone. Listen to the rest of this podcast. We're going to bring <laughs> you back up. We're, We're going to bring up. you back up. I will say this about uh, about the series as a whole. Mister Bozeman returns more than once. So much better in all. In, in, so, so much, much better, better in everything in, else in, in the other ones. And I'm hoping yeah. we get to see him in other episodes that have yet to have to come up. So yep, totally uh, I, I totally don't agree. know for a fact. I don't have any. Yeah. I, I actually try not to spoil things before I watch them. So I don't have a heads up on what episodes he's going to be in. But I can tell you the episodes that I've seen that I, that he has been in were much better, including the most recent one was amazing. It gets better. We are going to get a better T'Challa in the What If series. Please don't rest your hopes on this episode. Look, I, I'm a completist. I collect all th all things. I watch all things. And I suffer through some rough ones to get the gems. This is one of the rough ones. And that's just the way it is. It, yep. It's one of the rough it's ones. Just, it's, it's just the way it, it is. You know, yep, it, it's just the way it if is. you get up and go yep. grab a coffee and a snack and come back for the next one because you're binging the whole thing, you'll be all right. This is the episode where you can go snack. Let's stop the flaw. It's it's thrown in the towel. It has apologized profusely for offending us in such in such grievous ways. Let's move on <laughs> because there's so much great in the rest of this series to talk about that we don't have to go ahead and linger on that uh, for any longer. So episode three, what if the world lost its mightiest heroes? Uh, so I am going to admit that this was the episode that I needed after episode two. Yes. Right? Because after episode one was so good and episode two was so disappointing, I was really like, man, they'd better bring it back because not being the comic book guy and not having kind of like we, we, we have talked before about how like absent of this podcast, 
what media do we consume? Um, and I wonder, like, man, do a, can I really get up to watch another episode of this uh, if I'm not doing this podcast? And I am glad that I did because uh, this this episode, this is really, really a great episode. More than one point of divergence, right? I guess, sort of. I mean, or would you say that the, the would you say that the point of of divergence is that is that Hank Pym turns rogue? The point of divergence is they recruit hope before the events happen. I believe this is yep. a one point of divergence story. However, okay. it is a story that doesn't show the point of divergence and therefore fails the what if test. I think that's what I'm going to call ah, it right now. Interesting. So yep, I watched okay. this, enjoyed it because the vocal work, especially Michael Douglas, oh, God, yeah. was so good. Oh, so so good. good. And of course, when Sam... Jackson is on the screen. It's always good. I mean, what's in your wallet? The reality is, is like there were so many things that were so amazing about this episode. Again, the cinematography of it all, the colors, the actions, the sequences. Tom Hiddleston was off the chain as he always is. My problem was it failed the what if test. Single point of divergence, earned consequences and rewards. And it missed that. As a mystery, one of the better animated mysteries I've seen on television. Yeah, especially for something short form. Yeah. Something that has yeah. done so much better than I've seen in the superhero genre. Because quite honestly, superhero genres, every so often, any series that's gone long term, has had one episode at least where there's a whodunit. And something keeps happening, and they're trying to figure it out or whatever. And they're usually okay episodes. They're usually not great episodes. They tend to be filler episodes. And so as I'm watching this, this was clearly a different breed of tiger, right? This was certainly better than other whodunits in the superhero medium. But again, it was, and, and I don't think you get a whodunit if you show the point of divergence. You would have figured it out. And so I understand why they did it that way. It just, for me, it doesn't feel what if. That said, fantastic episode. And my misgivings and why I rewatched this one was because I was trying to figure out why I didn't like it. And I realized yep. there's nothing about it I didn't like other than it failed the what if test. And that's not a down on the series. I think anybody who doesn't come at it with my level of history. And in this instance, yeah. that level of history is not supportive of its baggage. I think it's that level of history is a detriment. So for those who are what if fans from way back when, this is probably not going to be your favorite episode. It's not one of my favorite episodes because of that. It is one of the better episodes as far as the way it's constructed the, and how well it's done. This is a great whodunit, and I love it. I think that this is probably like of the six episodes in the season so far, this is probably probably my third favorite. It's not number one, it's not number two, but it's probably my third favorite. And I think that the reason is is that you're absolutely right. They can't show us the death of Hope Van Dyne because if we see Hope die, then immediately our suspect is Hank Pym. And the reveal at the end, maybe Maybe a little too close to the end, if I'm going to go ahead and, and be really super critical. The reveal at the end that it is Hank Pym, it is surprising. It is, oh, 
And then it's like, oh, of course it was. Like, why wouldn't it? Like, he was the natural candidate the entire time for all, you know, the, the clues were so subtle and they were so well crafted that he was he was the obvious one the entire time and they hit it. They did a really good job hiding it. So, you know, yeah, maybe it doesn't pass the what if test, but it certainly it, it certainly passed the whodunit yeah. test. And I am I'm okay with that. Yep. Uh, totally. That yep. is a educational distinction that doesn't matter a whit because this was a great episode. Yep, absolutely. Did you know you could have been listening to this episode two days ago? That's right, because early access to our episodes is only one of the benefits that we offer to our Patreon subscribers. You can get early access to every show, exclusive content, and the opportunity to throw dice with your favorite hosts every month. Right now, we're running a membership drive through the end of November for our first anniversary. If we reach 20 subscribers by that date, we will start a regular live show. And when we get to 25 subscribers, we're going to open our tables for a second Patreon-exclusive game. So if the actual play episodes aren't your thing, you can still join your hosts on the download. For more details, go check www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys, where you can subscribe for as little as $1 a month. And thank you for enjoying the show. So we're going to dive into another great episode. Mm. Uh, In fact... My absolute favorite of the whole series. My absolute favorite of the season so far. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was I was trying to figure out if it was actually that because man, this episode's dark. This this episode's heavy, but it's so well done. And that is what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? The episode about how Doctor Strange not only loses his girlfriend, Christine Palmer, in the car crash, but continues to lose her over and over and over and over and over again, no matter what he does to try to stop it. I am blessed in my life that there have not been many times that I have felt that I was irreparably and so completely helpless to do anything in a situation. There are a handful of times when that's happened. And the the dejection that I felt as Josh, normal dude who is not the Supreme Sorcerer and doesn't have access to the Time Stone and doesn't have the knowledge that Stephen Strange has. I can't even imagine, right? Again, like this is... Uh, uh, such a great episode, and so just, just heartbreaking, just absolutely heartbreaking. I, I, I sat. So I'm also. Uh, I, we talked about how I'm not a guy that like rewatches shows all the time. Like I'm also the kind of guy that like, okay, the credits are on. Like I don't need to watch the rest of this. Like the the rest of these four minutes, like I don't need to worry about it. This one, after it was done, I just sat there as the credits just kind of rolled, and I was just like. And it was probably one of the greatest things that I'd ever seen on TV. I've had a few viewing experiences that left me feeling like this. One of them is very genre specific, so I'll use that as an example. When I watched The Dark Knight, I took my oldest son. We saw The Dark Knight the first time. We sat through that movie, and I remember coming out of that theater looking at him like I've never come out of a superhero movie before. I just felt 
some kind of way. I don't have great words for it. It, I wasn't depressed. I wasn't excited. I just felt. I felt everything. I felt angers. I felt sadnesses. I felt happinesses. I felt loves. I felt losses. I felt it all. And there was this insane release of energy that happened by watching the film that when I walked out, I felt like I had released that energy and I felt this amazing lack of tension, but yet I still felt some type of tension. And I don't know how to describe that better than what I just said. There's probably a word for it. And there's probably some psychologist somewhere with a lot of degrees on their wall that could tell me. Mm -hmm. All I know is that it gave me a great vehicle to view other elements of my life, decisions that came before, and most importantly, decisions that came in the future and how I present myself to the world and how I choose to go out into the world and act. That's how I felt leaving the dark night. This was a bit of a smaller scale than that, a half hour versus multiple hours, but it was very similar and a little bit more confined. It wasn't all the emotions, but certainly around loves, loss, grief, and, and those types of things. So it was a lot more fo- yeah, hopelessness. 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 It was a lot more focused. But I can tell you, I got it. Like, the Dark Knight was a bunch of experiences and a bunch of feelings that I didn't quite understand. It took years to kind of figure it out. This was something I got right off the bat. I left this episode. And by left, I mean, I'm sitting at the desk I'm sitting now. I'm looking at the monitor that's right in front of me to the left. I watched it while I was doing some other things. And I stopped doing the other things. And I realized when the credits were rolling that my hands were on the keyboard. And I looked at the other screen I had going, and there was like an L that had gone through like 30 pages because <laughs> I was so enwrapped by the episode that I just stopped. And that is how impressive this episode was. And, and as you said, heartbreaking. Uh, voice acting, yeah. All again, we're going to keep coming back to it. Always on par. I mean, oh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Like, oh but my the visuals. Oh my goodness, the visuals were stunning here. The artwork in this episode in particular was just amazing. It was brilliant. One of the things that I really loved about the Doctor Strange movie was how well it translated the weirdest comic book I have ever read, save the Doom Patrol. Doctor Strange is a comic book, especially in its 60s and 70s, just looked weird. I never cared for the comic book that much. Didn't really like the character all that much because the visuals were odd. I didn't get them. Like I saw the visuals, saw that we're doing. I'm like, oh, we're in the nightmare realm. Oh, we're in this other realm. And but visually, it it didn't bring it home for me. It was just this character who looked kind of like Reed Richards with a weird costume and a big cape and a goatee versus not having facial hair. That's kind of how I looked at Stephen Strange in the 70s and early 80s. I didn't care for the character. I went to see this movie, and for the first time, I'm like, I really like this character. I went back after watching the movie and started looking at and reading older Doctor Strange stuff and following. I'm like, okay, now I get it. Because the visuals they had in the movie 
they brought it home. Now I got it. And what they did in this animated series was, as opposed to devolving to what they had in the comic books, they brought more of what they did in the MCU film. And it continued, I think, even better, actually. And it continued to bring it home. The next episode here, episode five, was What If Zombies? Mm-hmm. Um, now, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm not a huge zombie film guy. Like, I, like, zombie genre is just not, it's just not my cup of tea. Zombies don't really do much for me. Um, I thought that this was now, all that being done, I thought that this was a really fun episode. Like, I thought that after, uh, there was still drama, there was still tension, there was still uh, a, a, a killer twist with the whole Wanda Vision twist uh, when they were in um, Fortress in uh, New Jersey there. This episode had enough camp to it and had enough sort of kind of typical comic booky butt kicking that I didn't mind so much that it was a zombie th- show. Like it was that was fine. It didn't bug me as much. I also thought that after the Doctor Strange episode, boy, did we need this episode a little bit to kind of lighten the mood just a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit. It didn't. Lo- it didn't. Uh, uh, it didn't lighten it an awful lot, right? I mean, there was still like a virus ravaging the entirety of humanity, except for you know a handful of people that were hopelessly fighting against it and you know only to go ahead and come to find vision who has the ability to go ahead and stop it and is choosing not to you know so there's that yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's small thing you know whatever um but otherwise i thought that this was a really fun good episode that kind of uh cleansed the palate after the uh the extreme pathos of the doctor strange episode i love zombie films i am all about the zombie genre Mm -hmm. however I believe that zombies are best done when they are about a social commentary, when it is about how people interact with each other. Will people turn on each other? Will people fight each other? Will they Mm -hmm. stand with their morals or devolve into basest survival instincts? Effectively what The Walking Dead is all about. It is never a good zombie film is never about the monsters. Yeah, there's always some backplot about, oh, can we solve it? Oh, can we get to this place where there's a sanctuary? Spoiler alert for every zombie thing ever, there's never a sanctuary. No. Um, Occasionally, there'll be a zombie film that has a, yes, you can solve it, but then they find out that humans caused it to begin with, or whatever the case may be. (laughs) Exactly right, yeah. 28 days later, Generally, they find out that uh, it's too late to do anything. You know, World War Z is an outlier in that regard. I think that's when zombie films are at their best. Now, I'm told the Marvel Zombies comic was amazing. Something that came out after I got out of reading comics regularly. So I didn't read that comic. I don't have any basis of history there. So I don't know what how close this is to those themes. I kind of got mixed signals on it. Some people say it's very it's it's fairly close, but it's very different, not nearly as good, those types of things, but at the end of the day, nobody has ever said anything to me about what I think a good zombie film would be about, which is those social issues. The Walking Dead is good for 10 seasons because of the humans they fight and, and the complication are the zombies. They are the terrain. When we talk about our games and we talk about difficult terrain, zombies are difficult terrain. It's all about them and the big bad. <laughs> the big bad isn't the zombies. The big bad is 
the governor or Negan or what have you. That's what I think this lacked. And so as a zombie thing, it did not resonate for me. And then at the very end, it feels like they cut for time because we lost five minutes of that show and I don't understand what happened. When I talk about rewatching something nine times, it was the ending of this episode because I could not figure out what the hell happened from the time they got past Hope mm-hmm. and were coming up on Wakanda and then the final scene with Thanos there. I have heard three or four different theories on what that ending meant. Yep. And the truth is, there's no evidence to support any of them. Yep. And like, were the zombies inside trying to fight the, to get out? Or were they outside trying to fight to get in? Who knows? Who knows? Yep. There was a lack of perspective on the shot. There was a lack of narrative. I don't, I rarely say at least narrate it. Like they could have just said it, but yeah. they didn't even do that. As a vehicle to hear John Favreau go blam, 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 blam. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, that yeah. was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. As a vehicle for, to see Peter Parker make all these great in character, in universe meta jokes. Awesome. As a vehicle to show Scott Lang's head, Scott in, a Lang's head in a jar. Yes. <laughs> to yes. see Sharon, Sharon Carter do cool things and be heroic. And then turn into, and a, then turn into a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Bettany to see the to see the, the big twist. The the WandaVision turned on its head where he's doing this and he can't get out of out of <gasps> out of the morning. Oh, that I didn't even catch that, that was amazing to watch. Oh they basically reversed Damn. WandaVision as did, the backdrop yeah. for what was going on here. Yeah, where he was creating this world for her. Oh, that's just, that's even better. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. just a great episode. Great, great episode. But yeah. not a traditional zombie thing. So for me. No, which might be why I liked it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so interesting, it elevated it for you, lowering it to me, and we end up at about the same place. This was a great episode. About the same spot, yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it. It's not going to be one of my top favorites, and I would certainly get into it with anybody who says it's one of the worst. This was, this uh, was no, a solid I definitely, episode. I definitely don't think it was the worst. It was a solid episode. Here's the thing. I think that there are three episodes that were amazing. And so calling the What If Zombies episode my fourth favorite in the season out of a season of six episodes makes it sound like it's awful. We run into this sometimes with, with, with uh, when we're talking about subclasses, right? It's like, I, you have to understand, we're ranking these subclasses against each other. The fact that this is my eighth favorite subclass does not mean that it's, a, that it's bad. It just means that that fighter's got a lot of great subclasses, you know? So let, 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 let's not go down that well. Uh, I think that that's kind of the situation here. It's like, yeah, this is probably my fourth my fourth favorite episode this season. Uh, that does not mean that it's bad. No, not at all. This <laughs> is a so, solid yeah, episode, yeah. a worthy episode. There's only been one episode that I would say if you removed it from the, from the series, the series would be better for it. And it's certainly... It's not this one. Yep. Okay. Let's go to the most recent episode. Uh, what if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? Uh, okay. Let me start by saying that I don't have any problems with this episode. I think the episode is fine. My issue with the episode is a structural one in that I think that when we start talking about what if, and you talked and you laid this out at the beginning when you were talking about it, about how like they are a they are a subtle change. It's 
a person turned left instead of going right. Mm-hmm. This episode is not a subtle change. This is a huge shift in how the history went. And it causes all sorts of cluster f- to go wrong. Yeah. So you're not wrong, but you may have, maybe in this instance, subtle is not precisely what it would have meant. I probably meant more single change. And in this episode, mm-hmm. they titled it correctly. It's not what if Tony had lived. It's what if Killmonger saved him. So we don't need to see him go through the steps and the planning that led to him choosing to save him. We just need to see him save him. And that 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 passes that test. But you also got to remember suppose. Tony Stark, even though at the time in the comic books he was at best a lower C-tier character. Anybody who's lived for the last nearly 15, 16 years, 18 years or whatever the M- since the MCU has been around will probably not remember how low on the totem pole Tony Stark and Iron Man actually was. He was a C-tier at-best character. They also want to remember, even though even Captain America was a character who, though just just finished with Civil War, just about to finish with Civil War, the Avengers that they put in this movie, with the exception of the Hulk, were C-list characters. These were the characters that couldn't hold their own movies. They basically, and why? Because Marvel had sold the rights to everybody they felt could sell their own movie, even though they couldn't, right? So, the other than Spider-Man. Uh, and, and technically, the X-Men sold their own, but I, I'll get on a tangent if I go down that road. <laughs> but the reality is, is that these are the characters that were left, and oddly, they were still the characters with a couple exceptions that were the core of the Avengers, which was very strange. Bearing in mind that DC built their big superhero team differently. They had a bunch of guys that they put together that had great comic books. The Avengers, though that was originally what they did, they ended up being the characters that were in the Avengers. That was the only place you were getting them with the exception of Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. Like the big three were the ones that had their own characters. Everybody books consistently. Everybody else did not consistently. Oh, wait, book. I thought you were saying that. I thought you just said that Iron Man was a C-list he was character. A C-list character who had a book in a comic book company in, a, in an industry where everybody had a book. And some people had three or four. He was C-list in that he was not one who would be expected to hold a movie. Uh, he had certain things that were not conducive to being a good character. Uh, and they downplayed but allowed them to exist. And they basically, thanks to Favreau, did it right. Like they did they did all the things that could possibly have been done and still managed to keep him core to the character, but make him a better character. Of all the Avengers, the only one other than the Demon in the Bottle series or uh, story arc, the only Avenger that I didn't buy their book was Iron Man. Hmm. <laughs> I just didn't care. Well, until Rhodey came on and was War Machine. All right. But this episode with Killmonger this rescuing one was, We saw what happens when Tony gets saved. Tony doesn't become Iron Man. Therefore, the Avengers initiative doesn't start because he was number one, right? You were seeing a series of events that are different because the catalyst for all of those events in the MCU, Tony Stark is the catalyst. And they didn't remove him halfway through. They removed him before it even started. And because they removed him where he started, every other divergence to me makes sense because (laughs) Stark wasn't there. He didn't do those things. 
and the things that he did were changing the world behind the scenes. Stark doesn't build Iron Man. He doesn't privatize peace, to quote Iron Man 2. And all of a sudden, now the government wants this other thing, an idea seeded by Killmonger or whatever. And Killmonger solidifies his, brilliant, uh, solidifies his position by ratting out Obadiah Stane, who basically got the Ten Rings to try to do that, right? So all these things start happening. Some people start figuring things out, but they're figuring them out a little too late, and Killmonger's too good. Yep. And Killmonger kills them. Yeah. <laughs> like that's it. This episode is proof that Killmonger, played by Michael B. Jordan, remains the best villain the MCU has had. Mm, yeah. I mean, certainly the most successful. I mean, yeah. uh, no, nothing for nothing. He may have only been in one movie and got beaten that one movie. But let's be honest, his plans were deep. His yeah. plans were thought yeah. out, and they showed it. Yeah. I, I mean, I dare I say, Killmonger is the Batman of the MCU. I think I, I, I'd buy that. I, but except that, mm, I mean, is that is that a fair comparison? I guess so. Yeah. Uh, in that he's the one who had the plans to make it all happen. He had the backups. He knew what yeah. he was doing. And I think that that's the one. I think that that's why maybe this episode uh, feels a little a little rushed at sometimes because Killmonger's plans are so deep. They really need a two hour movie to go ahead, and so you can watch the dominoes fall. You got to be able to watch the dominoes fall instead of watching Killmonger knock down all the dominoes and say, "Look at what I just did." You know what I mean? And that's kind of like that's kind of the tough thing I think with this episode is that it just moves a little fast. The half hour structure, I think, hurts this series. If they allowed themselves 45 minutes, it doesn't have to be a full hour. Mm -hmm. If they allowed themselves 45 minutes, this series as a whole becomes even greater than it is. Because a little more exposition mm. in a couple of, it could have fixed my problem with the zombie episodes for definite. Sure. Yep. I bet you five minutes could have fixed my biggest problem with the zombie episode. It, it definitely would have fixed uh, episode three with, the, with with Hank Pym killing on yeah. the event. That definitely would have fixed and that. I think here it would have allowed for flashbacks. So even if you didn't yeah. show it ahead of time, when he's telling Tony, he could narrate it and then you could show him doing the different things. So, and I think that would be awesome. Like just that. And like I said, it doesn't have to be a full 45 minutes. But if you allowed yourself to go up to 45 minutes, many will fall in the 30, 36, 37. 15 minutes is not a lot of time if you're doing just a little more exposition. Yep. I think it would really benefit this. If I have a wish for season two, give us 45 minutes or give your creators 45 minutes. Let it give run. Give the writers you, a little bit more time. You run the channel. It's a streaming <laughs> channel. You're writing it. Exactly. It's, it's a, a streaming, streaming channel. channel. So it's, yeah. You don't have to have it be for commercials. It's not on a regular channel. Can I say one other thing about the episode, though? Of course, yeah, yeah. This is what I wanted T'Challa for. Yeah. Before, yeah, this was a great T'Challa. Before episode. he yeah. gets killed, and that scene where he's the panther uh, in, in hmm. the spirit realm, and, he, and, and, and he challenges Killmonger, is, was it worth it? Yeah. That is the lasting memory I want of Chadwick Boseman playing this character. I want that moment. That's a moment. Because that's, that's where, he's, yeah. where yeah, he, yeah. he gave his creed he gave bad pun there sorry appreciate what you did in that movie too michael uh mr jordan i love your creed films they were amazing awesome awesome two of my favorite <laughs> films in the rocky franchise uh second only to rocky 2 and and rocky balboa he gave his litany to the world in that in that speech 
Was it worth it? All that you did, all the people you killed, sooner or later, it's going to come back to you on this plane, on this or, the plane next. or the next. <laughs> or on, 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 on your plane or yeah, ours. Yeah, on your that's, plane or ours. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was brilliant. And it was weird because I had just seen something where there's a picture of Michael B. Jordan hugging Chadwick Boseman from behind, almost holding him up. It was closer to the end of, of Mr. Bozeman's life. And there was some talk in there. I forget the whole article, but the quote, the big part of it was about the need for a big discussion about what masculinity needs to be. And men need to be feel free to support each other in this way. And I just got this sense that wherever they were, whatever event they were at, maybe Mr. Bozeman wasn't feeling particularly strong. And Michael B. Jordan just didn't care. He was there for his friend. Yep. That's amazing. I'm a hugger. You are as well. Obviously, pandemic totally, makes absolutely. things challenging. We are far in apart. You and uh, TTJ North, me and TTJ South. Um, but I have always been that. When I don't have words to support a friend, I have me. I have my physicality. So if I can't tell you I'm supporting you, I can show you I'm supporting you. You can feel that I'm supporting you. I felt in this moment, this was T'Challa supporting Killmonger. Like, I understand your pain. I under, understand your fight. I still want you to do better. I still want you to go about it a different way. And even though there's nothing about Michael B. Jordan that would be anything like Killmonger in that sense, I feel Chadwick Boseman supporting his friend, Michael B. Jordan, in the work, in the, you've got this now, you, 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 you know, I'm handing this off to you kind of sense. And I felt that as I was watching those episodes, we talked about the Dr. Strange really being uh, feeling it to your core and, and that hurt and that pain and, and, and really bringing out those emotions. I watched this thought of that picture, thought about the things I said last year when we were getting started, thought about all these various things that have gone on in the year and uh, year plus since the murder of George Floyd. And I'm all I'm thinking all of that all at once, all in this one moment. And all I can think to myself is, man, man, we're right about at the end. There's not going to be much left. I'm not going to have much more. I've got great stuff to go back to. I have wonderful stuff to go back to. And uh, I'll continue to go back to it. This is one. This is going to be one of those moments, those features that I, 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 I will utilize in my life. Let's uh let let's take a few minutes here and try to wrap this episode up here because I think that we want to talk about I'm going to give you 5 minutes. 5 minutes tops. Where do you think Owatu and these deviations from the master timeline where do these fit into MCU phase 4? Like how does this actually work? Are these just fun side questy type snippets vignettes of something to go ahead and kill time between shang chi and the eternals or is there something else is there a greater plot afoot wow five minutes (laughs) thank you for that i'm of two minds about it i don't think it is as big a deal in phase four as some people want it to be or think it might be. I think that would be great. Mm-hmm. I think it's less uh, about that. I think there are some ideas that are being floated within these where some of them might be. I don't think as a whole it all will be. But I think 
Some of them might be. What I do think is very interesting, many of these episodes do not have a button-tight ending, with the exception of Doctor Who. So I have a sense that season two, we'll get part two of many of these episodes. And I think that will be very cool. So I think we're almost just getting a very contained series with episodes that are going to be anthology based and we'll get continuations of these anthologies. So they're just neat stories, but some ideas may stick. Like there may be something that happens here that we'll get a real MCU version of at some point in the future. Some of these things may be used because all of them will be on the table, so to speak, once uh, the Multiverse of Madness comes out, once different things happen. Like you could say, okay, let's pluck this individual from here and put them in there. Let's make this person old when they were young or young when they were old, or let's do this instead of that. I think there'll be interesting ways that this could transpire. But I don't think it's going to be a lot of it. I think it's going to be very little. And I think it'll be relatively subtle. Uh, I think more likely than not, we're just going to get episodes that were really popular. We'll get part twos in the season two. Episodes that don't review well, we won't. And then we'll get a few new ideas as well and go from there. I think that's kind of where it's going to end up. But I do want to say something that I do think will show up in the in the MCU big time, and that's Owatu himself. And I say that because mm-hmm. somebody mentioned to me, and I hadn't thought about it until they mentioned it, uh, a friend of mine from work, and mentioned the fact that every episode we see Owatu more clearly than the episode before, and we see more of him. Huh. So if you yep. watch him in succession, yep. su- su- succession, or you remember back, you'll see that we did see a lot more of him, a lot more. Like, this would start with this full picture of him in the background and then pan down, and then you lose him that way, whereas the first ones were just a disembodied voice and his eyes lighting. Yep, just like an outline. So I think he's becoming more whole as the series goes, and I think we're going to see him be a factor in the multiverse of Atmos, possibly a big factor when we bring in the FF and eventually phase five. Yeah. Cause he's a, he's a big deal in the fantastic Four yes. stuff, right? He's, I believe that's where he first showed up. I think he was shown there long before the, what if series happened, my timing might be off on that. It may be he had the, what if series and then started his guest spots in the FF where he may have been the guest spots just before the series. Hard for me to say. That's our thoughts on uh, the first six episodes of uh, of what if uh, season one, series one, series only. Who knows what it's going to be? It's definitely going to be a se- uh, uh, multi season. I'll, I'll get confident. I, I, has, it, has it already I'm come out? Have they already announced season two? Already been announced, but even if it hasn't, a I second am nine episode season. Yep. A second nine episode season is expected to premiere as early as twenty twenty two. Excellent. So there will be a second Yay. season. Fabulous. And I think that it has it has great moments and it's a lot of fun to watch so uh looking forward to that so uh hopefully the rest of the season here i'm, I'm interested to see what happens the last half of the season like this is uh this is going to be interesting with three more episodes to go wonder how are they going to end this uh this first season so uh so we'll see so Thank you very much, everybody, uh, for listening. Uh, as we said at the top of the show, uh, if you liked this, please go check out the Marvel, Ma- the Marvelous Madams. They do an amazing job with this stuff, so go check them out. Any uh, any final words before we uh, sign off here tonight, uh, Lou Anika? I think the MCU continues to amaze. They continue to do great works. I know COVID put a huge hole in everybody's entertainment. MCU, we'd be a lot further along in Phase 4 right now, COVID notwithstanding. 
but that's okay. We're back, man. They're, they're doing what they can to go ahead and yeah, fill the gap. I, yeah. You know, I think we're, we've got great things coming uh, from the MCU. I'm very, very excited for the Hawkeye looking forward to all the other shows. Yeah, man. The Hawkeye preview just came out and that, that looks badass. I, I will admit, I, I, I was not a fan of Hawkeye. I was not looking forward to the Hawkeye series. I, I might be, might be really, really wrong about that. So, we'll and see. I believe I said that was good, that and Falcon and Winter <laughs> Soldier were my the two I was most looking forward to. Yeah, well, yeah, you were certainly right about Falcon and Winter Soldier. So, uh, so you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if if you can uh, hit it out of the park twice. So. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Uh, we appreciate your time as always. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and uh, we will talk to you again next time. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. You can join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. And make sure you join our growing online community. You can follow us on Twitter at TT Journeys and join us on Facebook just by searching Tabletop Journeys there. You can also reach us by email at podcast at ttjourneys.com. And if you want to catch early access to our episodes and some of the other benefits we have coming down the pipeline, you can also support our production at patreon.com slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, Audible, or any other podcast platform, we would really appreciate if you would like and subscribe to the podcast. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays and every Wednesdays. We'll feature our SideQuest series where we talk about pretty much anything tabletop oriented. Thank you all so much for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler on our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.